good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to and welcome to the American Age podcast. This is your host, C. Travis Webb, editor of the American Age, and this week I'm speaking to you from Greenwich Village. Hi, this is Stephen G. Fullwood, and I am the co-founder of the Nomadic Archivist Project. I'm coming to you from Harlem, and it's it's hot here. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes. My name is Seth Rodney, and I'm the opinions editor at Hyperallergic, and I'm hot here because <laughs> it's hot. It's this hot is, everywhere. Right? Yeah, it's 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 really, really, really hot in yeah. New York. Really hot and really humid. I mean, I, I guess everywhere just along the East Coast. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So this is to remind our listeners that we practice a form of what we like to call intellectual intimacy, which is giving each other the space and time to figure out things out loud and together. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't even, I know we were talking about dystopias. I have no idea how this would fit into that broader topic. It doesn't really matter if it does. um, We're talking about a kind of racial dystopia, right? I mean, it's a professional and racial dystopia. And definitely a dystopia around uh, communication. Yeah, Seth and and Stephen for the save. Thank you. I appreciate that. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, so uh, Seth, you had suggested this topic. Um, I had read a little bit about it when you suggested it. So uh, you want to, but you want to kind of lay it out for us. And I know you want to pull one of the quotes from the that New York Times article. So right. So we're discussing today the situation with Rachel Nichols, the ESPN um, broadcaster, Mm -hmm. who is known for. I mean, she's been doing it. She's been doing this job for quite a few years. I'm not sure how many, but more than a few. NBA Countdown. Uh, she and Rachel's been following um, and reporting on games and backstories in the league and uh, sort of personal changes, managerial decisions, that kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. This sort of sort of 360 look at, at the NBA. Uh, she was caught on a in a sort of hot mic situation. There's a video, really, in which she was in a hotel room. Uh, um, I think she was there because of COVID protocols. Uh, she, she was by herself, but speaking via video feed with a couple of different people, or one person. Um, in fact, here, I just found the paragraph in the New York Times article, which is titled, A Disparaging Video Prompts Explosive Fallout Within ESPN. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Nichols was standing at the, staying at the Coronado Springs Resort in Walt Disney, mm-hmm. confined to her room for seven days because of the coronavirus protocols. And she um, was speaking with... Um, uh, Sorry, I'm trying to find it. It was uh, LeBron James's political advisor. Yes, exactly. Right. Um, um, right. And I'm just trying to find and mm-hmm. Mendelssohn. Was it? Is his name Mendelssohn? I think. Anyway, she. Yes, yeah, she. She was speaking to this this fellow Mendelssohn. Um, mm-hmm. um, Adam Mendelssohn. Finally, okay, there it is. Uh, she said, I just want them to go somewhere. It's in my contract, by the way. This job is in my contract in writing. And she was talking about being taken off mm-hmm. her assignment 
um, for the finals, to cover the finals. And she also said, um, I wish Maria Taylor all the success in the world. She covers football. She covers basketball. If you need to give her more things to do because you are feeling pressure about your crappy longtime record on diversity, which, by the way, I know personally from this mm-hmm. female side of it, like, go for it. Just find it somewhere else. You are not going to find it from me or taking my thing away. Mm-hmm. Now, here's... What I did not know before, this uh, kind of uh, uh, underlying um, thread to all of this that, that further racializes it. Mm. This video was shared by a woman named Johnson, I think who's a, yes. who was a, mm-hmm. a producer. Um, it was shared with Maria Taylor, who Nichols, Nichols was talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Saying, you know, you shouldn't take away my stuff and give it to her. Um, just because you have a problem with diversity. It was shared by this woman, and then that woman was punished by ESPN for sharing it. Um, and then it went viral. It went all over the place. It went to Deadspin. It, yeah, it, was le- it was leaked. It was leaked. Prior to a contract negotiation. Right. Very right. conveniently, a year later. Yeah, right. So yeah. that's right. really important. To no, point that's, out. that's problematic, right. But mm-hmm. let me, let me yeah. finish laying out the scaffolding a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, the most incendiary thing she said essentially was that, which was that she, essentially she, she's implying that Maria Taylor got this job because she's black and because ESPN has uh, a problem with addressing diversity in any sort of a substantial way. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and she went on to say a few other things, but basically that's the part that really got people's backup. Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. I asked us to talk about this because and and I have to say that my my feeling has on this has changed a bit over the past few days. When I mm-hmm. initially read that what I heard was ESPN has a problem with diversity. They're right. not handling it well. They're punishing me for this. That doesn't make any sense. I don't like what ESPN is doing. It mm-hmm. didn't sound to me like she was coming after Taylor, saying that Taylor was deficient at what she was doing or didn't earn her position. Mm-hmm. I mean, in some, in some ways, she's implying that. She is. I get that. But it didn't sound like the emphasis. It's like, it, you know, <sighs> it, it, the emphasis in her, in her screed wasn't on Maria Taylor, it was on ESPN's failure and her perceived and yeah, her perceiving them as sliding her because of this endemic failure. Mm-hmm. And she also said, by the way, later on in the in in the same conversation, these same people who are like, and I'm quoting here, these those same people who are like generally white conservative male Trump voters is part of the reason I've had a hard time at ESPN. I basically finally just outworked everyone for so long they had to recognize it. I don't mm. want them to be a victim of them trying to play catch up for the same damage that affected me in the first place. You know what I mean, so I'm just trying to be nice. So after all this was leaked, uh, Nichols got a lot of heat from black folks, 
um, um, around the Twitterverse and and other stuff. Probably not just. I mean, probably also progressive white folks. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes, that's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's that's I mean. that's exactly right. Thank you for that. Um, and I would. My guess would be the racial demography of that. The outrage probably falls a little bit more on progressive white folks, but I could be wrong about that. Yeah, it's, it's very possible. Yeah, I I, I I found out about it from. Quote unquote, <laughs> I was black, like, who cares? Black, black Twitter. <laughs> Because um, the guy who writes for The Root, um, Michael Heriot, mm. I think, yeah. like tweeted something out about it, and that, that caught my attention. So anyway, okay. um, uh, ESPN has tried to you know, batten down the hatches mm-hmm. and circle the wagons and say, oh, we, you know, we're committed to diversity. Absolutely. They're, they're trying to like mm-hmm. mollify Taylor, but Taylor was pissed. Initially said that she wasn't interested in, in 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 taking Rachel's show or doing it, and then she said she would, but she would want to have no contact with Rachel Nichols. Rachel Nichols says she reached out to Taylor to apologize. A lot. Taylor has had nothing to do with her, and she said that she Nichols said in the face of that that she respects the decision and that she understands it. It. I I I, I have to say like I don't. I want to make it clear that I feel that. Rachel Nichols is being a bit scapegoated here. Well, of course she is, because this mm-hmm. is a nettle. This is a series of individual. There's there are too many characters here that we're not really like dealing with. So we're dealing mm-hmm. with Rachel saying something that on the face of it mm-hmm. is clear and understandable around mm-hmm. ESPN's practices. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then we have Taylor and I read it. I read her statement. The, what she what was caught on tape and I was like yeah I get it but it it because of the racial environment that we're in at the moment mm-hmm. it looks like she sounds like she's sliding her but I don't think that she is right and this right. is from someone yeah, who's not watching sports I don't watch sports this is not my area um and so when I read it I was like this is an interesting thing so this morning I was walking with some friends and both of them both of them are women both of them follow sports one a friend of mine said she doesn't even like Taylor. She thinks that Rachel Nichols, a black woman, saying that she goes, she's just a better reporter. Mm. And that is in her contract. Oh, yeah. So why are they taking this away from her? So we were um, sitting there with the context and we were, dry- we're just pulling it apart. Like ESPN, to me, the mm. circling of the wagons is very important here because mm. they are just trying to their bottom line. Right. Mm-hmm. So Nichols could be fired or could be demoted, further demoted mm. in their mm-hmm on the face of it to look like they're doing something about diversity when they're actually not. Right. Instead of fully, really, fully dealing with what this woman said. Right. And Taylor is about, she's being courted by NBC. She's being courted by, I think, uh, Amazon because she could go anywhere. I guess she's, she's hot right now. I don't, like I said, I don't know what kind of reporter she is, so I don't know. But I think that, on the face of it for somebody like me coming in, it just seems like what Nichols said is pretty smart, but in the environment, it sounds like she's because of all of the racial shit that institutes, excuse me, companies and things have done and continue to do. Mm. That's why it looks like a slight towards Taylor. Mm. That's Mm. my brain on it. Okay. Yeah. So, so I, I'm. I agree with everything that that Stephen said. Basically, the only thing I would add is that, of course, Taylor did this opportunistically, and of course, ambitious people are going to leverage every tool in their toolbox right. to get further ahead. Right. And so, 
at this moment in American history, that means leveraging their quote unquote diversity. Right. And mm-hmm. so it, it's, it's actually, and you know, my understanding, Nick, I mean, I, I have previously watched, you know, a lot of sports. I don't watch too much anymore. It's just not a lot of time, mm-hmm. but Nichols was an NBA reporter, right? I mean, this mm-hmm. is her wheelhouse. This yeah, is what this she is, what she is particularly good at. And yeah, yeah. Taylor, that's not, they have her in all these other roles, which is fine. Right. Good for her. Thumbs up. I don't care. Um, yeah. but the idea that the, the, I, what I find and what it, it dovetails into other aspects of this this argument that is currently being playing out repeatedly in the cultural landscape right now is that no one is actually engaging with these issues in a good faith way. Mm. It is very important. It is absolutely absurd. It's absurd to, I mean, you essentially have to uh, degrade like the intelligence of black men and women to suggest that they are not going to use that as a tool in their toolbox to further their career because that's what ambitious people do. Right. And they would mm-hmm. leverage and, and they would leverage some other tool in their toolbox if it was available to them. Mm-hmm. Just like every human will do always that mm-hmm. is that you know that's kind of made up that way. We're not not all made up that way. Not all, all of us are as ambitious or as cutthroat in our uh, um, in our mm-hmm. efforts to get ahead. Mm-hmm. But this is, I mean, these kind of like the nettle, as Stephen described it, mm. is not new. This is just the ready at hand shiv mm. to try and advance mm-hmm. Taylor's career. Mm. And so, mm-hmm. but the, the Twitter verse or black Twitter verse or whatever it is, and, you know, in conservative circles and liberal circles, uh, progressive, no one actually is willing to be honest about how these things are being used misused, abused, and intentionally misunderstood. Mm. So, and this is just an example of that. It's just another example of that. It seems uh, like patently clear to me that Nichols was not saying anything about Taylor's capacities as a reporter or that she was just a diversity hire or something like that, or, you know, wasn't as good as her or, I mean, you know what? She probably doesn't think she's as good as her because that's how most humans are. We all Mm. tend to think that, you know, Mm -hmm. we're the smartest, the, you know, the shiniest tool or the Mm -hmm. shiniest jewel or whatever. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I, uh, I find it irritating. (laughs) It's irritating and it's, if this is the hill you're going to die, if this is the thing you're going to be obsessed with or frustrated with, at the very least, engage it honestly. Mm, That's my thing. Yeah. At the very yeah. least, engage it honestly. Mm. Um, so, so y- guys, I'm, I'm just, go ahead, Stephen. I'm sorry. I I'm just like, is the podcast over? No, just joking. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I don't know if I have any other notes. No, just joking. <laughs> Mm. No, that's it. That's but I was I was surprised, and, and and I and I I think I went to you guys with this because I thought pretty much what you said, Stephen, and what you said, Travis. Um, um, that's what that was essentially my thinking when I first encountered this story, and I thought, why are people so upset? Like I just don't I don't understand the level of vitriol and anger it's like i mean but see i do and i think you do too mm. and i'll tell you why i okay. think i think it is because of the racial history of it mm. it's it's what rachel is pointing out mm. but didn't point out in a way that was satisfying to like the people who pay attention to these kinds of things 
it's that history with ESPN. And so after being passed over for promotions, after being told that you weren't good enough, after being told these things, this is a part of African-American culture, mm-hmm. being told that you're not good enough or being told that you're diversity hire, which means that you're not good enough right. to get this sure. thing. Right. So sure. that's a part of the conversation and it's frustrating. And I think this is why context means so much. This is why when people pull quotes mm. rather than the context or people read the entire article or listen to the whole statement, this is when we get into trouble. And this is when it doesn't serve anybody. It's just more rah, rah, rah. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And to what you said earlier, Travis, about this idea of it happening over and over again, it does. But I would add to that the context matters. Mm-hmm. The context matters, meaning that the nuances are different, but they end up kind of looking the same because of the way people respond to them and how those companies react to this. Mm-hmm. We're having we send out this memo. You guys, I'm sure you read the memo and it was just like, mm, OK, Um but you wouldn't have to say that black people matter or black people deserve this or are talented if you just fucking did your work. Mm. So I feel like ESPN Preach. is that kind of place mm. that could be taken is taking advantage of this. And they might mm. be interested in punishing Rachel. Do you know? Right. Right. They might like I said, if anyone is punished, well the black woman uh was uh laid off for two weeks without pay. Johnson. Right. And then and then and then she left. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so my question is though, like who actually she leaked it to Taylor, or she mm-hmm. shared it with Taylor and mm-hmm. leaked it. I'm not sure. I, I, don't, the way I don't the New York think Times we know who. Right. I don't think we I know who read, leaked yeah. it. I was kind of curious. The all, who leaked it to the New York Times? I would imagine that's just you know reporter confidentiality kind of thing. Or it could have been. I mean, it could have been. But Taylor, it's so convenient, right? Like who? Right. You know, I mean, right. I'm sorry, my money's on Taylor. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Absolutely. Right. That would be my guess. That would be my guess right. too. You know, yeah. Sure. Yeah. It's too convenient, so, and it doesn't serve any other purpose, right? I mean, so, what's the purpose? Let me tie, let me try and, and take a turn with this, and, and maybe we can create a, a little bit of useful disagreement around it. So, I I agree with you, Stephen, that clearly U.S. history is a particularly volatile backdrop upon which to you know kind of play these things out, and that that is, of course, adds to mm-hmm. the energy mm-hmm. around it. So, same page. What does it look like, though? And I don't. And I am kind of pulling on the thing that I've mentioned many times in the podcast, but it is what I think about all the time. What does it look like to just do the work for ESPN when we have created such a ginned up rhetoric around race mm-hmm. and around uh, around diversity? Um, and anti-racism or, you know, fill in the blank. What does it look like for a corporation or for a group to just do the work to evaluate people based mm-hmm. on their abilities when mm-hmm. we are not really allowed to see each other in that capacity right now? I mean, we can. I mean, of course, you have individual you know, mm-hmm. will to mm-hmm. do that, but right. that's my question. So I have two answers to that. One is... Isn't Rachel the daughter-in-law or she's related to Diane Sawyer in some way? And this was one of the things that came up. I didn't know that. I didn't that, know that. Okay. That, well, the reason why I was brought up, I imagine, because I didn't see the original, was told to me secondhand that, Rachel, what if you were benefited from, you know, um, from, what do you call it? I forget what it's called. Uh, nepotism. 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 What if you, yeah. right. Mm. 
What if you, and that would complicate it even more, maybe nuance it just to kind of think so about to, it all. To be clear, she definitely benefited from the fact that Diane Sawyer was her you know, mother. Of course she did. <laughs> but so, of course she did. So I'm not saying she's not super talented. Right, I mean, exactly. but of course and she benefited the, from that. And the second part is, it made me think of the one or two museums that didn't issue a Black Lives Matter statement mm-hmm. during the time when it was really popular. Now, mm-hmm. my not theory, but my my hope would be is that they are actually doing that work and wouldn't see a need to enter that conversation that way. You so mean I like, think that like, like the Whitney Museum, right? Mm-hmm. So what? That's if they're doing the work. That mm-hmm. would be, that would be my hope. So you don't have to make mm-hmm. these statements. Mm-hmm. You sh- can show mm-hmm. that you don't have the DEI workshops for everybody that don't seem to be working. Mm-hmm. You can just say mm-hmm. we're. You don't even have to say you're doing the work. You can just show that you are doing the work. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that I think that it's a start because if you are coming from an institution that a lot of the institutions that were for, you know, that, that we have are structured white male, right? Particularly, but over the years, you can see how some things have changed rather than use black people or women or queer people as tools saying, look, we diversity higher because this is typically how they do it. And then more people get angry and then they do the workshops and then people are like demoralized because nothing really changes all that much. It would be great if ESPN was simply doing the work and you can see it. Now that means years and that's impatience. Impatience is our problem. Meaning we want to see the change now and we want to see it that way, but it shouldn't have to be clouded in a particular movement, a me too movement to show us that stuff is working. Or that it's, so, you, you're actually hiring the people who are talented rather than your son. You know, do you know what I mean? So, yeah. So, so I mean, so I that's think, one way it could work. So, so there's, there's one side. Travis, are you here? I'm here. Okay, your, your image just went away, so I got oh, a oh, little bit freaked out. Yeah, yeah no, no, I'm here. I'm here. We're good. Okay. <laughs> and so, it's probably just the connection. Okay, so there's a, there's a more insidious valence, though, to your question, which is, I think you may have been kind of getting at is given the context, given how profoundly volatile our, the backdrop is um, against which all these stories play out. I think one of the answers to your question might be, we may not even recognize when the work is being done. Oh, oh, I think so. I think that's, I think that is absolutely right. And I, I obviously, I prefer Stephen's version of the world, which is more hopeful uh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I actually, I'm, I, I'm not sure that that environment exists right now. I was just thinking of Adolf Reed, uh, Adolphus Reed or whatever. Mm -hmm. This is the kind of the Marxist scholar, black scholar who has been, Mm -hmm. I mean, very, very well known, was disinvited by the Democrat. Because, you know, his argument is, of course, race plays into all this, but it's really a class issue, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, and and he's had decades of scholarship around this. Mm -hmm. And, And yet he was disinvited from the Democratic Socialist uh, of New York. There was a talk that he was going to give. He was disinvited from giving that talk because um, he called it like a a storm and a demitasse or something like that. Like (laughs) He was disinvited from that talk because he wanted to talk about class and not 
race all the time. And he gives a pretty, uh, I, I don't, I'm not going to, unfortunately, I'm not going to mm-hmm. remember the name of the woman that he cites as an example, but he's, he, he's uh, arguing against um, the, the other, the white guilt woman that does all these workshops, this confessional white guilt stuff. I forget what her name is. Oh, um, You're talking about the older woman who talks about, does the experiment with the blue eyes and brown eyes. And you've, and uh, not, not that one. There's a newer okay. one. That, that was mm-hmm. one of the old, that was, that, she was on Oprah. I remember that years ago. Um, mm-hmm. no, I forget her name. We can, I'll maybe look it up when someone else is talking, but mm-hmm. um, you know, she's, she's, she's kind of in the Ibrahim Kendi group and um, you know, talks about like how progressive whites are actually, actually doing more damage than straight ahead racists and or people that wear their racism, you know, more front and center and more aggressively. And Reed is like, that is the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my life. Like this is the these are people who have clearly not had to deal with racists chasing them beating the shit out of them, locking right. them out of restaurants. Like, right. And it doesn't say anything about, he cites one woman in particular who was mm-hmm. a young, who was the wife of a postal worker who mm-hmm. went down in 63, white, young white woman to help, you know, uh, in the marches in Alabama and the got killed rights. by the Klan. Yeah. yeah. And got killed by the Klan. So mm-hmm. to say that that woman, a progressive white woman in the 60s, did more mm-hmm. damage than the fucking Klan that murdered it's rid- her is it's just yeah it's disgusting it's, it's stupid right. it is it, it just it's nothing mm-hmm. it's like it's some kind of weird twisted disney version of history like mm-hmm. of course the actual violence is worse mm-hmm. than someone's privately held belief mm-hmm. of, of course of, of course that's worse mm-hmm. so anyway, but I wonder what, that i have to that's like what look made this person me think, up Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. So th- that's what made me think, you know, in, in what you had said, Stephen, that is that like, yeah, I, I don't even know if people who are doing the work can be seen to be doing the work in this environment Precisely. Um, be- because we're so ratcheted up all the time looking for, again, in this kind of decadent way to like to say and like wear and feel the absolute most refined, perfect thing. And if it's somehow not absolutely perfect and refined, then you are, you know, fill in the blank, a racist, can I, can or, I, you know, retrograde. Mm-hmm. Can, Sorry. can I give you an example? Um, I, I was just talking about this with um, Simone, a um, woman I was seeing the other night. Um, I, 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 you know, I am the opinions editor, hypoallergic. And in... In doing the work for that role, I have to draw up reports, weekly reports for to send to my boss, basically saying, here's what I produced this last week. Um, mm. Here's the title. Here's the URL. Here's how many words it was. Here's who wrote it. Here's how many page views it got. Because we have uh, this app, this platform, Parsley, mm-hmm. by which we track all that stuff. Um, I We produced... Um, I don't, we produced five pieces that week. Um, there were a bunch of others. I don't remember all of them, but one that stood out to me, which was really tenaciously hopeful and innovative and imaginative. It was all about the future of the museum written by Sanchita Balachandran, who teaches a course, I think at George Washington university. I may not remember this right now. Um, but I know she teaches a course on museums, uh, cultural, um, institutions, and she asked her students to come up with ideas for the museum of the future. Museum of the future, 
Mm. Lead, the lead image wasn't great, but the museum of the future that they imagined was like really hopeful. It was, mm. it was uh, things like having a museum that's like a, 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 a suburban community. It's just, a, it's just an open house where people can go in and learn about the sort of um, historic history of these particular residents or the particular community. Uh, 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 collections that consist of things like dandelions and, uh, consist of, you know, it, 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 flora and fauna of this, that's, uh, particular to this area so that people can, um, sort of stretch the definition of what is collected or what is considered, mm. um, unique and precious by a museum. Just really innovative stuff, right? Okay. It got 2,000 page views that week. Or at least from the time it was published to when I sent in the report. Mm-hmm. This is about a week. Maybe actually, maybe longer. I also published on Sunday. And, you know, being published on Sunday may make a difference. I don't know. It was Sunday evening to Monday day. Okay. Uh, a piece by uh, an indigenous woman who self, uh, you know, identified indigenous woman. I want to mm-hmm. say... But I'm not, you know, butchering the pronunciation, I'm not sure, Mm -hmm. but from Mexico. And she wrote this piece, which is basically, and it it sounds like she's an undergrad student, um, very gifted undergrad student, but like at the tail end of her undergrad tenure, wrote uh, this paper, which which we adapted into an opinion piece about how Frida Kahlo essentially took advantage of the indigenous folks in Mexico um, by wearing that garb. And there's a particular word for the, for the kind of dresses she used, which did not belong to her class or um, social status. She argues, right? She mm-hmm, says that mm-hmm. she basically, uh, basically she's saying she, she uh, culturally appropriated this stuff. Right, it's not really right. about mm-hmm. her, la, la, la. And that she helped to flog this um, policy called indigenismo, which had everything to do with um, Mexican government allied with cultural institutions mm-hmm. developing this idea around supposedly promoting um, the the worth and the historical significance of indigenous populations. But according to, again, according to this writer, Joanna is her name, Never actually, and, and I looked this up in Wikipedia, like mm-hmm. uh, apparently the policy is known for never having actually consulted with, in any real way, consulted with indigenous people in order mm-hmm. to implement these poli- this policy, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she talks about how Frida Kahlo s- kind of slots into that, essentially this, this policy that ended up disfranchising um, indigenous folks in Mexico, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's this yeah. Pelamic piece. It's like 700, 800 words, basically mm-hmm. taking apart Frida Kahlo. You know how many views it got? 30,000. 30,000 views. Yeah. The future yeah. of the museum, 2,000 page views. But mm-hmm. taking down Frida Kahlo, people sign, oh, they fl- flock to that. Yeah, Loving that. I know. I, I know. Mm. Uh, Ro- by the way, the woman's name that I was uh, reaching for is Robin D'Angelo. Robin okay. D'Angelo. Is I've never the, heard of her, the, but thank you. Yeah. Um, so it reminds me, and I, I'll let you jump in, Stephen, but I, what I was just going to say, what you just said, Seth, reminds me of um, 
I mean, it almost is a, to restate the obvious, but they'd recently completed a study that looked at what, uh, what often goes viral. And the thing that most mm-hmm. often goes viral is when you are shitting on the out group. So if mm. you are, mm. if, and that is, that is more, that is more likely to go viral and gets a, more recognition, more shares, more connections than if you are lifting up your in group or, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or, or certainly than the op, certainly than like kind of reaching across the aisle kind of thing. So the, the far and away, the thing that is most mm-hmm, reliably mm-hmm. grabbing people is to shit on your out group. And if you do not think that social media companies are invested in sort of to borrow uh, Seth's phrase that I think is particularly appropriate now, ginning up, Mm-hmm. Anger and frustration and disdain because it benefits their profit motive. You have not fully come to terms with what it means to live in a contested social space. Today's podcast was split into two parts. You've just listened to part one of two. Uh, we hope you'll join us next week for our continuing discussion. As always, thanks very much for listening. 